0: So welcome back to Footnotes with Dr. Tony Caffey. I'm Adam Castellino. With me, of course, as always, is Pastor Tony. This is our final uh, passage from Hebrews. I, I want to say chunk, but that sounds inappropriate. That's okay. Chunk. A chunk. Yeah. Is, Section. So it's Hebrews um. Thirty-two. Hebrews 11, 32 through the end of the chapter, verse 40. And as you shared on Sunday, you know, quite a lot of people, the writer of Hebrews is kind of moving through. And he says something that makes it sound like he's preaching because he says, Fi- time will fail me. Mm-hmm. So that, that sounds like a preacher term like this because that's a theory, right? Like this may have been a sermon originally. Um and you, yeah,
1: preachers like to say that and then go on for then, another yeah, hour or so. Yeah. which
0: technically he does, there's a few more chapters in <laughs> Hebrews where he covers quite in a bit. In <laughs> conclusion, let me let me say everything I wanted to say. Yeah, I heard a preacher once say, "I'm about to wind up," which means like a toy about to ri- wind up and go as he reached the end of his sermons. So Not well, wind down, but yeah, wind, wind up. up. I'm uh-huh. winding up. So, yeah, um and of course this passage we're continuing about faith and your first point you're covering, um, you know, these great judges and rulers who uh, did great things for the Lord. And you had said, faith empowers us to do great things for good, I think, if my notes are accurate. Um, mm-hmm. So you said you had a lot of footnotes, and of course, everyone who wants to dig in more can find the the sermon manuscript on the website. Um, is there anything you want to touch on with this section here? No, it's inspiring,
1: isn't it? I mean, reading the Old Testament, and I, I think we do make the mistake of going to the Old Testament and saying, like, this is normative for every person's life. Yeah. No, I mean, the Old Testament is hitting the highlights, mm-hmm. and in some cases with the judges, I mean, you're getting just a paragraph or two of everything they've ever done. Yeah. And so there, we need to be careful as we read the Old Testament to not think, you know, uh, I'm going to live a life just like Abraham. Well, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, Abraham was a unique person. And I should say, too, that there were large sections of Abraham's life that aren't even addressed mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. So he was, uh, the Lord is hitting the highlights, and these are unique individuals. And uh, so when we summarize them here, I mean, I think we can say in terms of a transferable principle whatever good things and amazing things and miracles that take place in our life, that's attributable to God because mm-hmm. God is awesome. And Yet, at the same time, we need to balance the God is awesome when He answers our prayers and does amazing things with also God is awesome when we suffer and when we struggle and when we go through hard times and we lean on Him, just like Paul would talk about when he was dealing with the thorn in the flesh that the God mm-hmm. that God refused to remove. So uh, having that right balance uh, is is important theologically, and I think it'll help steady us in whatever kind of period or things we're going through in life as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So this first group of people, you know, of course, he, he makes this obvious contrast between these two groups of people of faith. Uh, I noticed that most of them had success in the context of defeating their enemies. Yeah. So this is an obvious question, but I think it's worth talking about. People might want to apply this to their life and think, well, I'm going to be like David. Mm-hmm. But we overcome by faith in a very different way. Why don't we go out and kill our enemies is what I'm trying to ask.
1: Yeah, that'd be
0: great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the,
1: ans- the answer to that, and this is the obvious part of it, is mm. we do mm. uh, eternally. Mm. Uh, and yet at the same time, you know, even in this passage, we have people who are being tortured to death mm-hmm. with reference, I think, to the... The Maccabees and their experience in the intertestamental period, but I mentioned a few weeks ago the um, you know believers who died. Uh, you know, Paul was in prison several times, died a martyr's death. Peter did too. Twelve apostles died that way. Lots of early church folks died, um, but they still win. They still defeat their enemies via Christ's death on their behalf, um, and that's that's truly what's comforting and encouraging about the Bible and what it says about us is that in Christ, there's no way to lose. There's no, you know, Paul would say to, to live as, to Christ, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't take away the victory that I have in Christ Jesus, you know, put that on a t-shirt and wear it, (laughs) Adam. That's good. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that's, nobody else has that. You know, it, Let's say God empowered you with a maze that you became like Samson 2.0, mm-hmm. and you started to kill all your enemies, Adam, and you took this country by storm, and you you know, defeated all the wickedness in America, and you created America like it really should be. Uh, I mean, that, that, that would be temporally great, but mm-hmm. then what? I mean, mm-hmm. then you, know, you got to die because of sin, mm-hmm. and you're going to pass it on maybe to somebody else who... Can't really keep that up. Um, So, I mean, mean, your whether you live or die in this world, accomplish great things for Christ or not, the the end game really is uh, worshiping Christ, following Christ, getting ready for an eternity where evil will be uh, disappeared forever, and grief will be you know a thing of the past. And that's what we've got to focus our eyes on and and keep in front of us, even as we deal with with some real struggles in this world.
0: Mm. So your first point, you you said that faith empowers us. Um, How does a Christian think about Power in that way because you get a wide spectrum of people out there who have different ideas about that. But the average Christian, they want to serve God. Maybe they're being led by God to do something, um, not like Samson, but maybe to share the gospel or serve. You know, what does that power look like? You know, how do they mm-hmm. receive that power? You know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, let me talk personally. Maybe that would be helpful because yeah. my empowerment <clears throat> as a believer. Uh, is linked to the Holy Spirit. So I mm-hmm. got saved as a young person and gifted, uh, if if I'm right, with teaching and leadership <laughs> as my primary <laughs> gifts, as well as some others. Yep. And so I look back on you know, 15 plus years of senior pastor experience where I've been teaching and expositing the scriptures. I look back on discipleship programs that I've been involved in since I was in college, and people that I've been able to influence and say in those you know situations where God has moved and changed lives that's been how I've been empowered to do great things for the Lord so I've been married 22 years going on 23 and that is very much uh the successes I've had in that have been a result of God and his goodness and giving me the grace to be a good good husband and a good father to my son so uh you know let's not uh, think of the empowerment of God to do great things as you know tearing lions apart yeah. only, or uh, leading the nation of Israel and defeating you know the Goliath of our world. You know the the little victories that we have in Christ Jesus, little you know put those in quotation marks. Yeah, uh, add up; they're cumulative. They're mm. significant, and you know, Lord willing, uh, if I get enough years, I can. Die at a good old age and look back and say, God be praised for every convert that He used me to, uh, to bring to Christ through mm-hmm. the preaching of the gospel, for every person that matured as a follower of Christ, for my son, hopefully someday grandchildren, and mm-hmm. for my wife of however many years we uh, are married when we go home to glory. You know, those, those things are uh, part of God's work and God's, God's power displayed in our life as well.
0: Amen. So, obviously, this passage, it it takes us to these high points of victory with David and Samuel, and then almost on a dime, and you talked about like the divisions of the Bible passages, it switches to the people of faith, as -hmm. you've alluded to, the Maccabees and others who didn't receive that kind of earthly victory, but of course suffered mockings and you know imprisonments and and other intense persecution and mm-hmm. of course their experience of faith may have looked very different from someone like Samson or, or David or so on so yeah um and of course and you said you know faith enables enables us to endure great sufferings and you know of course we looked at Daniel and and the um, the three boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and what they were willing to testify before Nebuchadnezzar. Um, my, con- my concern or my question would be f- coming from the people that might not um, think about this, in-, in my view, the best way, you know, because this Obviously, refutes those people who talk about your best life now, that whole camp. Mm-hmm. They think, you know, Paul says, they think godliness is a means of gain. You know, they just want riches and, mm-hmm. and a comfortable life now. But there are people, and I know people personally, who think of suffering as normative to the point where that's all they deserve, you know, in, this, in the context of, uh, and I literally heard people say this, like, when things are going well in my life, I get nervous because... You know, God's gonna hit me with something bad. And <laughs> who are these friends of yours? Goodness. These are these are people who, who go to our church and other Christians where unfortunately there is that opposite extreme where they fear that or they think like just because they suffer that that should be how it always is. You know, there's there's so many variations of lies that the enemy comes at us with. So my thought would be like, how do we temper these views that you know Mm-hmm. we're not the people who exploit God's word for, you know, peddle the word of God. Mm-hmm. But we're also, we don't want to veer into this idea where suffering is just, you know, God's way of punishing us or or there is no hope or, or things are good. But, you know, it's really just about being, you know, miserable. So, like, how do we balance that idea in our minds as Christians? Yeah. Hmm.
1: Well, I think we need a better view of God's sovereignty Mm. and the way in which God, according to his sovereign plan, gives some of us uh, challenges and hardships and pain and suffering, sicknesses, and others of us, he gives financial provision, uh, all of that with the expectation that whatever comes our way, we trust him, Mm. we serve him. You know, uh, R.G. Letourneau always comes to mind as somebody who's a Christian who was phenomenally successful in business was an engineer who developed these great mm. earth movers i don't know if you've heard that term before that person before rg laterno
0: um no
1: he started laterno university mm. and he tithed 90% of his income back to the lord's work mm. and so the lord just kept giving him more and more riches mm. and he just kept giving more and more back to the lord which god's going to do that with certain people in our world and praise God, we we need that, and yet at the same time, there'll be some who contract some kind of uh, terminal disease in their twenties and have to struggle with it. And um, you know, who who are we to say back to God, "How mm-hmm. dare you give Argiletterno all these riches and you give me cancer?" Yeah, you know, we don't deserve anything, and whatever we receive, we we process through our relationship with the Lord. And Paul gives mm-hmm. us that great passage where he talks about contentment and trusting the Lord through any uh, stage of life, Mm -hmm. through when he had much and when he had little, through good health, bad health. Um, What what we need is really just a proper theological perspective. Mm -hmm. God is sovereign. God is in charge. He's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He can rescue us at any moment for what we're going through. If he does, may he be praised. If we die a gruesome death, being burned alive, Mm -hmm. so be it. No matter what, we're not going to bow to the idols of this world or or turn our back on the, the God that we serve. And um, so having that kind of mindset is, is good. Now, how it's processed, and I think this is what you're getting to a little bit, kind of emotionally and, and mm. uh, spiritually in the lives of individuals... Um, yeah, I mean, that's the work of pastoral care and that's the work mm-hmm. of encouragement from brother to brother, sister to sister, as we try to think through okay, what is, where does God have us and how can we honor him best um, in the, the feast or the famine of life that we're in?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of think it, it really boils down to, a, you know, having a relationship with God, like our understanding of who he is personally, because in those both extremes, I think people are looking at God from a distance. Like either he's the genie, just grants me my wishes, you know, like the gumball machine. I turn the crank, get what I want. Well, that's not a relationship. That's, you know, some sort of mechanical exchange. And the people who yep. who are fearing God, well, they don't know him as a father. You know, if we've been reconciled through Christ, then there's no reason to fear God. Like come what may in our life, we know he's going to take care of us and, and and comfort us in affliction and, and bring, you know, Something that you know wealth can't provide, and even in the midst of suffering, like I remember Paul and Silas were beaten and bloody in a prison, but yet they were singing, singing praises songs to, God. to the Lord. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you could only do that if you know that God is good no matter what. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I always remember that. I mean, there is that promise in the Proverbs: "Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all." Now, deliverance might look different than what we expect. You know, sometimes someone's sick. They go home to be with the Lord. Yep. Uh, sometimes they recover, praise God. But God is always good, and, and and you can't ignore both those sides of that verse. There are afflictions. There, there, that's going to be the way that life is now. Mm-hmm. But the Lord is with us; He's faithful, and so you know that's just how I've looked at it throughout my life. But mm-hmm. appreciate your insight on that. Um,
1: Remember the uh, there's that old quote you know god is either all powerful or he's all good but he can't be both because mm-hmm. you know of all the suffering that we have in this world mm-hmm. well i mean that's that's a faulty reasoning because from our vantage point we can't see all the the machinations yeah. going on in this world so i remember the example given about um you know let's say somebody gets injured and they go into the hospital and you say, well, that's horrible. Why would God allow that kind mm-hmm. of suffering for somebody to to get injured? But let's say they go into that hospital, they interact with either another patient or a nurse or a doctor, and then that becomes their future spouse and then they get mm-hmm. married. And then you're like, oh, no, there was a greater purpose at work that utilized even that suffering or that, that pain for something good. Oh, okay. So now things are good. Well, I mean, the problem is that we don't always have God's perspective on everything Mm -hmm. happening in this world. So we look at suffering or we look at some hardships that we go through in life and we say, well, God can't be good because he's allowing this to happen. No, maybe there's a long game at work that Mm -hmm. God has access to that we don't all the time. And uh, so that's where that's where faith comes in, mm-hmm. to use a Hebrews 11 term. Have you heard that before? By faith, we should live... It? I think so. I think it's somewhere it in Hebrews 11. It rings a 11. bell. So <laughs> <laughs> we trust him even through the hardships of life and know that his long game is mm-hmm. good, even if uh, we don't... And we don't have access to, to what all he's doing and, mm-hmm. and all the operations taking place in our world.
0: Yeah. So... Your final point in that, this last part of um, Hebrews 11, faith ensures us a great hope for the future, which of course ties into what we're talking about, that it's fascinating how the writer of Hebrews says that, you know, all these saints, you know, didn't receive the promise because it almost like they were waiting for us to come along yeah. in that promise that is fulfilled in Christ. And that's fascinating to think about. And you know we've talked about in the past you know in the kingdom of heaven we'll meet and see these people and yeah. interact with them and like there's like this hope that we're all kind of in this thing together and that's yes. you know, this amazing uh reality to think about um
1: so you can say someday to Moses you had <laughs> to wait on me Moses <laughs> yeah <laughs> take yeah. that buddy
0: yeah you shouldn't have hit the <laughs> rock maybe i don't know but no
1: no we we are linked with them they mm-hmm. were looking forward anticipating the messiah and we, through in our stage of history, going back to God's sovereignty, uh, were placed in the era of time where we see uh, the coming of Christ, the first coming. In 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 our scriptures, we believe it, um, and yet at the same time, we, along with those Old Testament saints, are waiting for uh, Christ's return, and then we'll all be uh, gathered together in eternity, walking the streets of gold. Sampling the the fruits from the tree of life, each producing a different fruit every month, and uh all of us together bowing before King Jesus. Mm-hmm. it's it's pretty it's pretty neat to think about and um, yeah, and it's it's pretty amazing the way it's framed at Hebrews 11 because you know, Hebrews 11, it's like these Old Testament saints, they're awesome, they're amazing. look how great they are, great faith, mm-hmm. but they're waiting, <laughs> yeah. they were waiting. For us, mm-hmm. you know, and then we get put in there at the end, like yeah. us. Really, <laughs> so we have an advantage over them in the sense that we we uh, are on this side of the cross, mm-hmm. and yet still we we both enjoy the goodness of Christ for eternity.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's amazing how their faith is—you know—it's the same faith essentially as ours because we're both them and us are still in that place of waiting, anticipation. You know, mm-hmm. they were waiting for you know, the promise of the Messiah, the first coming, we we have that fulfilled, but we're still waiting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still this hope that we have, as it says in um, verse 1, that's not yet seen. Yep. You know, and and, and in, in a sense, you know, as you said, we're both groups are still waiting for the same promise, the same fulfillment. And it's cool, like you said, we're right there in Hebrews 11. That's us. And then to see that these people aren't just, you know, People from the, from the long time ago in a book that we read, but they're, no, these are our brothers and sisters and, mm-hmm. in the family of God. It, it, it's exciting to think about, especially when we're on this side of eternity, going through the sufferings and the questions and the struggles, that there is this future hope that we're looking forward to, and it'll involve all these people of faith throughout history coming together, being with the Lord. It's, it's exciting to think about, and I think it's, it's valuable to think about this you know, every day. Amen to that. <laughs> so we've reached the end of Hebrews eleven. Um, any final thoughts about this great chapter of faith? I mean, there's so much we could talk about, and you know, we've only scratched the surface. No questions about the apocrypha. I thought you were going to bring that to today's discussion. Well, I, well, it's true. I've I've read some of it. I remember when I first got saved, I got copy of it. And it's very interesting, very weird. And I don't know if Some that's of them, because yeah. we don't have as good translations. We have great Bible translations, not the Apocrypha, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I
1: heard, uh, a, and, and it, I I think I put this YouTube link in my footnotes, one, one uh, seminary professor talking about how he grew up in a church where the Apocrypha was like an evil witchcraft book that right, <laughs> nobody effort, was allowed like to that. read. And And whoa, you know, let's not get carried away. We don't believe that the Apocrypha is inspired scripture. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to clarify that. And I don't think the author of Hebrews believes that either. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Apocrypha does have legitimate historical record of uh, people who were faithful to the Lord in the intertestamental period. And so in that way, it can be read... Beneficially, mm-hmm. as long as we keep in mind that it's not on par scripture. with scripture.
0: Yeah. yeah, for anyone curious, I mean, it's valuable insight into that intertestamental period. It is because growing up, I guess we didn't talk about it a lot in church because we're always focused on the Bible. But you know, that's a good piece of history. Like, what happened after you know Malachi, and how did it? If you jump right into Matthew, you're like, wait a minute. So they're back in the land, but there's just Roman, and so the apocrypha has some of that history with the Maccabees, and uh, it's helpful to see how like. Because even though it's not scripture, you see God working, even in this time. There was no prophetic voice, Mm -hmm. but you know God really used. um, Was it It was not Joseph? Was Maccabees? It was Uh, Judah. Judah, of course. The hammer. The hammer, yeah. Yeah. The Maccabees. It's so it's cool and um, and in its fulfillment of scripture, as you said with Daniel, with um, Antiochus Epiphanes and all that horrific stuff. And so, um, and it's interesting to, to think about this passage in light of that period, which maybe the average Christian doesn't necessarily think about. There's persecution very similar to the Roman persecution of Christians through the Greeks, and Mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing. So I'll draw...
1: I'll uh, maybe give you this in closing to anticipate for this weekend. So Hebrews 11, Christ is very much kind of covertly in there, Mm -hmm. not... uh, He's inconspicuously part of (laughs) Hebrews 11. Right. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, now we're getting to Hebrews twelve, and all of that talk in Hebrews one through ten about Christ being better, he's going to come back mm. to that, yeah. and he's going to draw a line from the by faith, by faith, by faith talk in Hebrews eleven to Jesus being being awesome, yeah. and so uh, so we're going to hit that theme again, mm-hmm. and honestly throughout the rest of Hebrews that Jesus is.
0: He's better, better than anything this world has to offer. Amen. So thanks, everyone, for listening um, to Footnotes. As always, Pastor Tony, thanks for being here. The whole archive of these episodes are on the website, vbvf.org, also on our podcast channel. See you next time.